Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Riders Room. I'm your host there, but not that Aaron, of course. And uh, I brought on Foster along for this review. Hey. Um, <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, of course. Now I just realized I started like a normal episode, but I guess, you know, bad habits or old habits and all that. Um, we, we're going to talk about the Black Phone, and I'm trying to do more of these episodes of like relatively new releases, and we'll try to have a variety of writers on. And I'm just trying to like for stuff that I'm really excited to talk about, uh, or stuff that I'd been hyping up, I kind of want to like do more of this stuff as opposed to just whatever the new MCU movie is. But like, you know, I just like maybe one would have been fun for the Jackass Forever or something like that. Just something that like I had been really excited about, or something that's just like, no, 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 can, please, can we talk about this? Like that was kind of the story for with doing the Northman. Robert was like, hey, please. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, this is certainly one of those because the Black Phone is been in my top five anticipated for the year and at one point probably was my most anticipated movie of the year so um yeah i brought foster along because i feel like foster will have a different enough perspective uh for me and especially as i I don't think either of us are really horror fans right oh no i am i I love horror movies okay i thought I, i think at least aren't aren't you a little bit more into like the classical like Rosemary's Baby, Exorcist, like older. I love horror. I, okay. I like all horror movies, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would say it's my favorite genre, actually. Because you did the Halloween binge and the Scream binge and the Scream binge. I was thinking, yeah, the, yeah. So, and yeah, like yeah. you know, those are movies that like just I, I did buy the the Scream Factory Halloween collection. Um, so I think I'll do that mm. this, this October. But, um, but yeah, it's I, a bumpy ride. <laughs> yeah, I know ups, but, ups and downs. But at the very least, even the bad ones are fun. From, from yeah, some of them are really fun. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I just like thought Foster might have a different perspective on this. And I, I was like, I don't think we had done what we did last night in Soho. And the Night House. Jeez. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so either way, with a little yeah. bit more of a classical horror element. Yeah, this movie I'm taking is... over this podcast. <laughs> this movie is classical, right? It's set in 1978. And I guess I wasn't expecting that. I, it doesn't matter. Um I mean, it kind of push, puts it into a time and limits technology and stuff. And But, yeah. Um, like, it doesn't matter that, like, I thought it was 2022 or whatever. So, um, but let's dive into it. Let's, uh, let's, we're going to start off non-spoilery, then we're eventually going to move into spoilers. Uh, so let's give some thoughts. Uh, Foster the Black Phone, did you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Uh, I loved it. Um, this is one of those times where I can... I can recognize that not everything about it is is perfect. Like I, I can I can observe the flaws, I guess, but I I, mm-hmm. did, I don't really care. It was just so fun to watch, and yeah, it, it's exactly my kind of movie, honestly. So I loved it. Uh, I also loved this movie. Um, nice. I, I I only have one problem with the movie that isn't going to be a problem for a lot of people, and uh, we will talk about it. But it definitely is going to be something that I'll hint at here. And we can talk about in spoilers more in depth. Um, But it's okay. Let me just get this out of the way. So the movie is, the movie is about um, at its core. It's about a person in the seventies in a small town in North Dakota that is kidnapping children. They call him the grabber. And we don't really know what's happening other than these children are missing and yada, yada, yada. You know, you, you, you've heard this story a million times before Um, serial child kidnapper, and children go missing and presumably murdered or presumably dead. Um, And the police are trying to find them. And so uh, I think the thing about this movie that the only flaw I have with this movie is just that there's not really a motive to our villain. 
Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of just... I, I mentioned that to Robert in our Slack chat, and he said, I kind of like it because it kind of made him like the Joker. And I think Joker like still has a motive. Like He very clearly does in The Dark Knight. He's trying to cause chaos and disrupt the natural order of things. But I think for the most part, Joker... I mean, I think the Joaquin Phoenix Joker, for the most part, is pretty mm-hmm. aimless and pretty lacking of motive. He's just mistreated. But for the most part, I feel like Joker still has a motive. But I don't know that that's what they're trying to go for. I think they're just trying to trying to say, like, this is just a bad guy and bad guys like this exist everywhere. But, like, I don't know why he's ki- kidnapping kids. And I think at one point, <laughs> yeah. at one point, there's a theory. And I think we're supposed to just believe that theory and... Ultimately, it's not the point of the movie why he does it, but it kind of also is, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, that's that's really my only thing. I hate to start on a negative, but what are, what are a couple non-spoiler things you want to say, Foster? Uh, I, I just some positives. I think Ethan Hawke is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think this is like the year of Ethan Hawke for me because he's in this, he's in Moon Knight, he's in Northman, and then he's going to be in Knives Out too, which is just a pretty crazy lineup. Glass um, Onion, even if yeah, yeah, Glass Onion. Uh, a knives out mystery, right? Is that yeah, the subtitle? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, he's one of my favorite actors. And I think this is, he's so good in this cause he's so creepy. And like, while I'm watching this movie, I'm just thinking this is the guy from before, before trilogy or the dad from boyhood, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Two here he then? is four movies. I haven't seen. Oh yeah. Or, or, or first reformed. Have you seen that one? Yeah. I love first reformed. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's so good. Um, he's one of those actors that like, I remember like growing up and he, his name was always out there, but the movies mm-hmm. that were kind of in my era were assault on precinct 13 and um, like training day might've been a little bit before my time, yeah. but like that was kind of what he was known sure. for. And like, he's good. Like Deadpool society. Day. Yeah. I mean, that was before I was, I, I saw it okay. in high school, uh, but yeah, he was known for that for sure. But okay. I mean, like he had become kind of like that kind of stock action mm-hmm. character. And it's just like this guy, like, but it's like, no, this guy. It's like, all right. So I like how he's kind of found his thing and really like made his career his own. So yeah. It's always yeah. pleasant to see him. Yeah, he's got like sneaky range too, I feel like, because playing like a, a, a Viking warlord guy in the Northmen versus... I mean, he has a, like two and a half minutes of screen time. In the I, know, I know, I like, know, I know. Uh, <laughs> but even look at anyways. Sinister compared to this. Like, Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. Um, so I also Hawk, thought the, the main kid was great. I don't know how to yeah. say his last name. Uh, Mason Thames, Thames, something like that. Something. Um, yeah, I thought he was really great. Um, I, I liked the character too. I thought he was pretty relatable. Um, and he has kind of a, a nice arc, I guess, because he starts off the movie not so confident and and over the course of the movie, you know, gains a bit more confidence in, in himself. Um, I also, I, I really like Scott Derrickson just in general. Um, yeah. and, and one thing that I, that I think just comes across from his movies is he just really likes horror movies and it's it's not even necessarily super deep he just really clearly loves them <laughs> like yeah. like there's there's so many things in the black phone that are just it's just fun to watch even though it's like a dark story but like the, the way it's shot and edited you can tell he's just like he's kind of having fun like with the super grainy footage and the dramatic music cues and stuff like that i love it yeah i definitely want to man i i he's increasingly becoming one of my favorite filmmakers out there because he gen- just genuinely seems like a really good guy and definitely really level-headed, but he 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 gets the spirituality component of things. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I like I love 
Um, I still haven't seen Exorcism of Emily Rose, but like I love his just discourse on his Twitter page. He just is always, hmm. um, like he has always the right takes in in the moments, and, um, like, at yeah. least to me, to my brain, and, uh, and and it comes across in the works that he loves too. I mean, part of the it's not not a reason we did it, but um, on the Goats podcast, uh, we talked about Ikiru, and it's his favorite movie, and it's like yeah, like this guy, like this is a, like kind of sappy dramatic emotional tale but like because of the components of that movie kind of being what does it mean to be human like is really like present in all of his films and it adds an extra layer to to like the element that he brings so he's just increasingly become one of my favorite people um the other actor i want to shout out i really liked uh uh, madeline mcgraw as gwen she was one of the yeah she's fun she's really Um, funny if not the standout for me um Mm. maybe it's because i didn't expect anything because the, the other thing is Derrickson is really good at working with kids. I mean, the kids in Sinister were good. And I mean, there wasn't really kids in Doctor Strange. Um, but anyway, um, like I, I just kind of figured. And, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. I also love Scott Derrickson. The, the spirituality stuff he, he plays within his movies is a, is a reason I like him as well. I really like Exorcism of Emily Rose. I think it's... Um, I mean, it's not for everyone. Like sometimes I, on Letterboxd, I I see people watch it and then they're just like, this is not great, but then other people love it. So I think it's just either you're into it or you're not, but I'm really into it. It's like half, half courtroom drama and half possession movie. (laughs) I haven't seen it yet, but I think what people wanted was the exorcism. And what it is, is the exorcism in a court case. Like, so this is kind of like primal fear. Like, uh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, like and I, think I, I think just both if have you Laura Linney too as the lawyer, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> so I just think that maybe it's it's expectations. I'm really excited to see it. I'll probably get around to it soon. Yeah, um, yeah. This is what. So what's cool about Exorcism of Emily Rose is that the court case is it's arguing um, the like the center of the case is this priest who performed the exorcism of Emily Rose, and then I, I believe the girl dies. It's been a couple like a year or two since I saw it, but the the court case is trying to to argue like yeah. Um, obviously we don't think that demon possession is real, but do you know for 100% certainty for a fact, that sort of thing? And, and in, in appealing to the, to the jurors in, in like the lawyers appealing to the jurors, it's actually Scott Derrickson appealing to you, the audience and asking you the same question and to confront, like, what do you know about the world that you live in? You know? So like, depending on the kind of person you are, that either sounds really, really dumb or really fascinating. Um, and yeah, honestly, like horror movies, if you're not in the right mindset for a, for a horror movie, they can seem kind of corny. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm sure some people hear that and just kind of roll their eyes, but it really works for me. Deliver Us From Evil is another one he did too. That's interesting. It's honestly oh, yeah. I, not, not amazing, I don't think, but there's aspects of it that are really cool. Like there is a really great possession scene with, with Sean Harris plays the possessed guy and he's nuts. So it's got okay. like a, a great climax at the end but yeah I, I don't i wouldn't recommend that one necessarily though overall okay well it's just sinister robert watched um sinister leading up to the black phone <laughs> and yeah. he knows i love sinister he knows it's sinister is probably my favorite like straightforward horror movie i mean like just straightforward horrors because like cabin in the woods and shot of the dead will be at the tippy top of the list but before we're talking like straight horror like and even like I love Alien and The Shining, but like I think those have enough like sci-fi twists. Well, at least Alien does. Um, but 
Uh, I like I like uh, Sinister One and Shining. Anyway, um, but like at least Alien is kind of like it's a sci-fi horror movies, but just like a straight horror movie. Sinister is my favorite, and a lot of the reason is because of what he what Ethan Hawke is doing. And mm-hmm. man, uh, the lighting and the the audio of of Sinister are are two things that are like you should teach this in in, in film class. And and it's a, it's a movie that uh, I mean it's I don't want to talk about Sinister too much because I want to talk about the black phone, but there's <laughs> There's like the most creepy footage you will ever see, and it's in done entirely practical, shot on Super 8 footage, and it's like that much more effective. It's not, it's not. Let's just superimpose this thing or whatever. It's like no, let's hang people from a tree, and it's like let's <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. do it, and it's like and let, let's let's tie people to cots and push them in a pool, and like we're actually going to shoot it. It's like oh my god, like how? <laughs> and and it sounds like a nightmare to coordinate, but it's like it's so effective and it works so good. Um, and the whole movie is tense and terrifying, even though there's only one jump scare in the whole, whole thing. And the same is true for the Black Phone. This is a movie that like it starts and you know the premise, so you like something's gonna happen. And it starts with a baseball game that's so lighthearted. You're like, all right, let's go. Like something's gonna happen. One of the kids is gonna be walking home from the baseball game and he's gonna get abducted. And that like that's not the case, but you know like, all right, pretty soon this character's gonna get abducted, and you pretty soon this you know like this is what's gonna happen and. And, but it's it's so tense leading up to it, and then it's like, now you're here, and you're just in this room, and it's it feels real time, yeah. um, or at least in his experience, because like there's like sometimes jumps, but it's like he's asleep, or like we know what he's doing, so we can just go watch somebody else for a minute. And this is this is the perfect example of uh, of like what I call a white knuckle movie. I mean, I know I didn't coin that phrase, but it's just like one of those that you just like grab onto the armrest and you're just like you realize at the very end you've been tense the whole time. So you're like, Oh, oh you're like, like gravity or something like that. We're just like, okay, I can relax. Uh, this movie's awesome. Yeah. I, I loved it. I, I agree. It's, it's super tense. And also my, my audience who were driving me nuts throughout the movie talking, but even so they were really into it. And so it was kind of fun by the end of the movie. Like when some of the, the like big climactic moments happened, people were like shouting and like, Ooh, you know, at the, at the right moments. So that was fun at least. Yeah, uh, I love the way they do the abduction scenes. Though you don't, you yeah. don't really see them. You just the the every, everything's happy. Like at the beginning, the first one, they're playing "Free Ride" the song, and and all of a sudden it just goes, and then the then the the video turns to slow mo, and you see the van just right. come into view, and then you hear this. Well, we know what's happening. Sound. Yeah, like, it's so cool though. It's so effective. It's like so minimal. I love it. Well, and there's the um, the other thing too uh, about. No, I want to wait. I want to save that. Um, yeah, and you, we don't need to fill in the gap. This movie isn't really interested in telling you things that you already know. This movie is interested in being like, yeah, you can fill in the gaps yourself, and and we're gonna do something new here, and it works. Uh, the the only other thing I want to mention before we dive into spoilers is just Jer- Jeremy Davies. He plays the dad. Uh, mm-hmm. He's so good. Uh, I. Mm-hmm. He's one of those characters in the beginning and you're just like, oh no, he's going to be this guy. And of course he plays the perfect, like he's a great, Yeah, it, it's it's bad. Like when you're typecast in this kind of role, um, but it's just some, a lot of the roles he's played. It's like, you know, he's going to be good, but, but then he winds up having a really good emotional arc and he's not fully redeemed, but like you get the sense that at least this is a partially changed man. But there's also a scene where you like totally understand why he is the way that he is. And it's just so effective. I mean, it's yeah, it's again, it's Scott Derrickson's work in 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 knowing 
that humans at their cores are stories and, and stories are complicated and messy. And at some point there's um, like, at some point people become who they are because of certain moments. And then what is the extreme you can take that person to because of this moment? Um, yeah, it's awesome. It, it, he is awesome in the role. I, I love it. I don't, I don't know that anybody will get an acting nomination for this. I mean, horror movies typically don't, um, at least from the Academy, I'm saying. Um, and I don't know that that's going to necessarily bother me. I mean, everybody's really good in the role, um, but it's not going to be one of those things where I'd be like, Ethan Hawke is snubbed. Like, he's, he's good. He's really good. Um, yeah. He's honestly not, not in it as much as you would think he is. Like he's, he's in it maybe like, 20 minutes you know of the movie probably if you if you really like tally up the screen time because because most of it's just you fill your mind fills in the blanks yeah um probably 20 minutes of this i like i i thought that movie. was i really liked that actually um that he wasn't the main character in my head i, I thought he was going to be like the main character and we were going to spend a lot of time with him but it actually makes him a lot creepier kind of like hannibal lecter i think is the, the obvious example yeah yeah that's a good example yeah, like the more the more you see Hannibal in the sequels, the less scary he becomes. But like in that first movie, it's so effective. Sure. Um, all right, let's talk about let's move on to spoilers. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything and everything in this everything and anything in this movie. Um, so if you haven't seen it, this is gonna be one highly high recommend. And if you can go to a theater to see it, it's worth your experience. Uh, it's worth your ticket to go see it. Um, but we're we're going to talk about things in specific. So at this point, we're assuming you've seen the movie and we're just going to start spoiling things. So here's your final warning. Move on. Okay. Um, let's talk about that motive. What do you think about... What's your position on, on what I mentioned at the beginning about... My only real problem with this movie is I don't really understand why the grabber is the way that he is. I, I don't he, know if I'm going to be able to help you out here. <laughs> well, it's, I, I just... I, I don't yeah. know, like, do you care... Um, is it one thing that you're like, okay, well, people are, people are evil and he's clearly evil. I mean, he's yeah. not, there are yeah. certain scenes where he kind of is portrayed kind of like maybe mentally unstable. And then certain scenes where you're like, no, he's totally sane. Um, yes. like I'm thinking of the scene where he initially comes down and he says, um, like, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, we're just going to, like, I'll, I'll come back down. I'll bring you a Coke and I'll explain what's going on. And he kind of seems like mentally unstable, kind of like split or something like that. And then, um, uh, and then there's like a, the scene where he kills his brother. Like he's totally a sane person. And so I, yeah. like, I, I don't think the movie is trying to do that. I think he's just a sane person that's embracing the theatricality of it. Yeah. I, I, so if, if, I, I told you before I moved this morning and so I've had like the busiest weekend in the world. If it were any other weekend, maybe I would care and have thought this through. But I think for me, if I had to, to think about it, I think the key of his character probably has to do with the masks and like why he wears the masks and chooses the masks. I was watching an interview with Scott Derrickson where he talked about how that informed a lot of the character choices and saying that the character in the movie intentionally chooses like the happy mask or the frowny mask or the faceless mask or to show the eyes or to not show the eyes, you know? So I, yeah. I bet if I were to like really dig deep into that and watch the movie a couple more times, it might, some stuff might be clear. Also there's the moment towards the end, you know, when he falls in the pit that um, Finney made yep. uh, and the the mask comes off and he just starts screaming and covering his face. Like well, that, that, yeah. That was the other moment that it kind of makes yeah. me feel like a, uh... Maybe he's meant to be an un unstable person. Uh, yeah. So I guess why, yeah. why does he not want to be seen? You know, like it's not just to. 
I well, and he doesn't wear a mask when he's abducting. Uh, he's got like well, chalk on his yeah. face. Yeah, and that makes sense because you see a person in a mask with a black van, you're like, hey, call the cops. Uh, but like but, once they're already in the in the, the basement, yeah. he's planning to kill them anyways. So he doesn't anticipate them being able to escape. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, so right. so there's got to be some like deeper purpose for him as to why he's wearing the mask. Also, yeah, is he a magician? Right? Like the, the mean, theatricality, like you're saying, has is, to be a, a part of his character. His 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 van says magician on it. I don't know if he actually is one and just a failed one, or if that is his job, or if he um, if that's just like a cover, like maybe something mm. that might help him, um, like lure in kids or whatever, like be his story. Uh, yeah, I don't know. His van says magi- says abracadabra. <laughs> and I mean, um, he releases the balloons, so he's kind of kind of a kind of a drama queen, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I don't know too. Like, I think there could be something to say about just maybe, maybe there is some sort of like split personality going on. Um, but it's, at least it's not like direct in the way that it is in split. And so one side kind of left brain, right, right brain kind of thing. One side, like where's the masks and is this sinister evil or whatever, or, or maybe even this, he's sometimes kind. I mean, hmm. sneaky kind, like he's, setting up a trap um like so maybe sinister kind uh, or malicious kind but uh mm-hmm. and then sometimes he's <laughs> just kind of normal um normal's not the right word uh sometimes he's just kind of like aloof maybe um, yeah to what's going on so there's um but i really like the masks i mean just from a visual standpoint oh they're they're so well designed yeah i i just thought there was supposed to be one mask the one that we see on the tri- on the on the poster and then it's not that at all um and it it's so effective in kind of getting you in a mindset of like the way this character is thinking and like you know if you see the mask with him with the frowny face like you messed up like like just <laughs> something's gonna yeah. happen but um but yeah like just choosing which which places of him to reveal and maybe there's something to read in there too about like if his, if the top of his head is uncovered like there's only like once i think that we see him like see his eyes mm-hmm. um like, cause he's only wearing the bottom part of the mask. Maybe there's something there. Like he's trying to play mind games with him. So he's exposing the part of his brain. I don't know. Maybe there's something there, but either way, like to me, it was just a mood setter, you know? Yeah. Um, cause you got creepy smile. So you got like malicious kind, and then you've got frowny face, which is you messed up. Like, um, yeah. so and you have, there's a faceless one, right? And the faceless one too, which yeah. I think is, we only see the one scene that he's, abducted which we're not really sure what to make of him so i think it's i think it's just how he wants to be perceived and which makes sense um yeah and i guess it gives him confidence to to have the mask on like like he gives me the kind of impression of a guy who probably is pretty normal in everyday life but then puts on the mask and he's the grabber i mean yeah and there's a reason why people like this exist and aren't caught because a lot of times it's that person next door that you're like that person really or even the brother he's like it's my own brother like and he's been doing all the research like so he's got to live somewhere around here and when he realizes like oh like um which i thought that sequence was like just really interesting and really funny i didn't believe that he lived in the house i was like that's that's not the same house i think it's just a transition cut and then yeah exactly that was kind of that was fun because because that transition I had the same thought I was like that's probably just like a fun transition right 
but then later we find out it is actually the same house, like you're saying. Well, and then the moment that he realizes what's going on, and it makes sense too, because like obviously, like he stays up most nights doing cocaine, like trying to figure this out. So why wouldn't? And and he lives with his brother. His brother wouldn't do something like this, right? But then he's like, "Hold on, I mm-hmm. haven't checked the basement here." Like, yeah, um, yeah. What do you think about so, the actual phone? Like the the con- construction of the plot where um, Finney receives phone calls. And then does the next part of his plan to escape. Um, I want to touch on one thing before we get there. Uh, Okay. Because it's just just continuing the motive thing. Um, There's there's a moment where we find out through the phone, through the voices, that he he plays this game called Naughty Boy with them. And it's almost almost hinted at... Or maybe... Yeah, it's almost hinted at it seems likely that he, his father was playing naughty boy with him and now he's just acting it out on others or something along those lines. Um, it, it just seems almost hinted. Um, I don't, I maybe, maybe confirmed. I don't know. Um, what your takeaway from that. Maybe it was just a conversation I had with somebody afterwards. that was like, what if this, Hmm. but, um, that's the only motive I can think of. And I mean, that kind of, the, the pain cycle, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Like that's kind of, um, you know, could explain the motive. Um, you know, if, if yeah. he was a child of abuse and, and anytime he did anything wrong, the dad would beat him. And so I don't know, maybe that was just, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that would make sense, but, but that's, again, it maybe hinted at, but I think there is, all right. I'm, I think I'm going to walk back on this now because like I just <laughs> mentioned too, like, and not walk back on walk back on the motive being the problem with the movie because, um, just mentioning that earlier, like the problem, like the reason why a lot of these people get away with it for so long is because they're kind of an everyday person, and by not giving a motive, like this literally could be your brother. Like, oh gosh, maybe I don't even think that's a bad thing at all. Now. Like, <laughs> like if it is intended to be like that person at your PTA meeting might be this guy like that person you know um that you're on jury duty with might be this guy that person that's the checkout register at cvs or whatever whatever place you go to like man that's a frightful thought (laughs) yeah Um, we can we can we can get back on the um we can we can we can talk about the phone stuff because i actually think this was some of the best stuff because Without this, this is kind of just like a standard run-of-the-mill kidnapper story, and this is. But the spiritual element here, this super—I don't even want to say spiritual. Let's say supernatural um, element here is really what sets this as different because we have. So we have the the two elements of uh, the the dead kids in the room could communicate by speaking through the phone to the kid uh, to. Uh, Finney. Um, and then there's also the sister has visions um, and the visions are hints at reality. So mm-hmm. those are the two things. I think they're both done. I think um, I really like just the, the phone. Like it, they're both simple, right? There's nothing necessarily complex about them, but I think they're effective and they add an interesting layer to the story. They make it kind of complex. Uh, I guess that's my brief thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I really liked them too. The the one 
I guess, criticism you could have is that they never really explain it. But I honestly wasn't too bothered by that. Um, like, I, I feel like a lot of times if you have some sort of supernatural element in a movie, when they try to explain it, it just becomes super contrived and you're, you don't really buy it. So for me, I kind of like just living in this world where you have this super, uh, supernatural element and it's just accepted. Um, and then you tell the story from mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I understand that a lot of people, I think, don't like that. And honestly, um, like I'm seeing some sort of lukewarm or, or just like slightly underwhelmed reactions to this movie. And I think that might be a reason why that, that like with the motive of the grabber, like with the, the supernatural elements, there's, there's not a whole lot of explanation given to these things in it. I think there's enough explanation simple. for that. I mean, oh, go ahead. I, I, I think there's, the movie is trying to communicate like where evil exists um, or yeah, where, where evil exists. So can other things that are not natural um, and where evil exists. There are ways to conquer. I mean, this movie is optimistic. Um, yeah. And like, it's refreshing to see in a way. I mean, obviously it's not all optimistic, but um, it's refreshing in a way. And again, I think kind of the message, and I don't know if this is just Derrickson's personal walk. I mean, I know um, this because following me on Twitter, like he lost his homes in the Calif- home in the California wildfire. He's gone through a divorce recently. Um, like, you know, maybe this is just his way of, you know, saying like where darkness exists, like there comes light. Um, yeah. Like it feels really personal to him. And uh, yeah, it's based off of a, short story um, from Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, also worth noting. So like, this is an original story. Um, so I don't know how much that is, but I think, I think the movie is just trying to communicate where evil exists. So does other unnatural and the, and then where there is unnatural, there has to be supernatural to balance that. Um, so where there is yeah, pure evil in the form of Ethan Hawke, the grabber, um there is something there to kind of help and they kind of even make a point to say like none of the other kids were able to hear the phone finney's the only one um Mm -hmm. and and finney has the sister that is the it could help them um Mm -hmm. and their mom had visions too they mentioned and committed suicide because of the visions and so that's what I was kind of getting at with like the, you kind of understand where the, where like why Jeremy Davies doesn't want his daughter like to even yeah. dabble there because he's like, we thought it was a blessing and she, and until the voices said to kill herself. And then he's like, and I don't want that future for you. And I'm like, man, I get it. Like, why am I sympathizing with the child beater right now? But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, and that scene was so hard to watch. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get what you're saying thematically. I think I just meant more practically. They never explain the supernatural element. Like, what, do you know how what do you saying? explain I, that practically? Like, I, no, there's I, don't, a reason, I don't think you can. Like, yeah, there's yeah, a reason yeah. it's but, supernatural. Like, there is no way yeah, of explaining yeah. this kind of stuff. And I'm not even saying necessarily that I buy into some of that stuff. But like, yeah, yeah. the like the point of obviously this is ridiculous and wouldn't happen. But like, I mean, okay. I, anything can happen um like this is i don't ex- i don't think this like would happen um i wouldn't yeah. expect this to happen but like that's kind of the thing is like phenomenon happen all the time that's why we ha- why we call it phenomenon like yeah because there's no way to explain it they're just like and somehow you know life life finds yeah. a way <laughs> i guess i guess what i'm thinking is 
I know for me, before I heard other people talking about the movie, and I assume for most people when they saw the trailer, we went into the movie assuming it was just going to be sort of your, your like a, like a serial killer type movie or like a serious horror movie without any supernatural elements. And it plays very much like those, uh, like person trapped by an abductor movies, but with the supernatural element. Does that make mm. sense? Like, yeah. so like, I feel like, like some of the reviews I've seen, I don't know, just weren't, weren't as into the, to the supernatural elements of it. I, I liked it though, just to be clear. Also, Going back to what you were saying thematically, I, I completely agree with you because, of course, knowing Scott Derrickson and, and all the spiritual themes he includes in the movies, I was I was like, okay, what's the what's the actual deeper meaning of this these phone calls here? The the one that immediately came to my mind was prayer, right? Because like you see, what's her name, Gwen, the sister, like mm-hmm. praying in a couple scenes, and it's almost like um like like people talk about praying and then not really getting an answer but i guess the message of this movie in a sense is like like um kind of like what you're saying how sometimes even in darkness good things can come from it or like uh the idea of you know like god closes a a door opens a window is that the phrase i'm thinking of i mean yeah so there's a couple examples that made me think of that where um finney would get a phone call and so he would uh go to dig in the ground, right? Like to dig the dirt. And you think, yeah. oh, maybe he's going to escape through the dirt. And it doesn't doesn't really work out that way. But then later on, he's able to use it and pack it in the phone in like mm-hmm. a sort of backwards roundabout way. That was one example. Um, and then a second one was when he was going to go through the fridge or the freezer with the meat. And you're like, oh, he's going to escape through the freezer. Doesn't work out. But then, hey, he gets to use the meat later on with the dog. So like the seems like things aren't really working out initially, but then it in a roundabout way sort of works out in the end. Does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Well, and I'm also curious to, to maybe on a rewatch, how frequently is Gwen praying? How close is that in the timeline to whenever he receives phones? Like, is, yeah. is that a response to prayer? And I think you're, I think you're right on the money. I think he is trying to talk about, you know the the concept or the idea of prayer i mean there's because gwen is specifically pulling out religious iconography exactly yeah and and specifically (laughs) using prayer terminology as well so like you know there is there is definitely that um but yeah i'm curious i would would be curious her her prayers are pretty funny too (laughs) yeah like there's the one time where she's like jesus what the hell like yeah Yeah. Um, my my mom would not approve (laughs) i laughed so hard uh (laughs) i loved it um yeah, but it's, um, so, so here's the thing, um, again, kind of mentioning Robert, Robert told me he thought, he thought that this was kind of half-baked and I'm like, and, and you're kind of saying the same thing. It, 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 it's kind of a gimmick, but I'm like, but it, but it sets the story apart. It sets it to do something different. And I think the payoff is re- is, is there. Um, mm, and I love yeah, the yeah. idea of there of certain people can be connected to certain things in ways that I will, ever, I, I will never know. Um, cause everybody has different experiences, but we talk about I mean, things, um, like all the time about just people's life experiences leading them or people's backgrounds leading them to different things. I mean, I had a, I had a, te- a substitute teacher in high school that could see color. Uh, no, sorry, not see color. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Nobody sees color. No, um, it was something she could. 
she could see sound. That's what it was. She could see yeah, sound. Yeah. And I know that's like not an uncommon thing. And it doesn't make her a crazy person. Um, it it makes her have some sort of experience that I will never have. And um and and she would like make paintings of it. Um and and she would be able to kind of express herself in that way. And it's just like this something is special about this Finney kid that he can relate to them. Mm-hmm. Um maybe it's something special that was in the mom that she passed on to both of the kids, but then there's there's also like um again it's just an extra layer because there's also the the first kid um Yamada, right? Yeah. That was the first kid. Um yeah. he he says something about um like the grabber can hear the phone but he chooses to ignore it or something like that. Um oh, I that oh that just adds to the to the metaphor for me. Yeah. And I, it was something along the lines of either he, he knows it's, it exists, he just chooses to ignore it, or he hears it, but he chooses to. So I, I definitely remember a line like that from the first kid that the grabber, like, I, no, can, I remember can, what you're talking about. Can now. hear the phone, but he chooses to ignore it. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that just adds extra <laughs> to what you were saying. Um, and sure, it can't, maybe it's a gimmick, but like, it, it sets the movie apart from being something other than just another story, you know, um, you know, cause I could go watch a true crime documentary, uh, one of a million of them on, <laughs> on very similar subject matter or same could go for like any sort of like a lot of horror movies. Um, I don't yeah. know what my voice just did there when I said horror, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think it, it might be half baked and it might be a gimmick, but like, it, it just works for me. It's, and the moment that he kills the grabber and he realizes I have the phone in my hand and he starts strangling him and he's, and then the phone starts ringing. He's like, all right. And then all the kids kind of get their, say their thing. Like I was just like, let's go. Oh, yeah. Like I was, it was like <laughs> yeah, the yeah. biggest, like biggest moment for me that I was yeah. cheering. I was hooting and hollering. It was, it was kind of like in it's when so Captain good. America says Avengers assemble and like, ah, <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Like it was perfect. Man, and then when he walks out out of the house and sees his sister, it's so good. It's like, oof. Like yeah, and then the, like and the dad's reaction. Yeah, yeah and, yeah, and me and the person I went and saw this with were both like, I was expecting like somebody to come up and come after him after he leaves the house. Like, no, like and that like would be that. a that would yeah. be a traditional horror thing, and this is grounded yeah. in reality, even though it's got these supernatural elements to it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, how you don't survive getting an ax to the head or breaking your neck. Like you don't survive either. And, and if you did survive the breaking your neck, like if he didn't do it fully, I don't know if somehow you were able to survive that, like he, he's not getting out of that hole and up the stairs in that amount of time. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. phone scenes also just like technically I think are so well done to the point where every time the phone rings, you just kind of get chills. You're like, Oh my gosh. Um, and like there's, they play with it. Even, um, I think Jeremy Davies characters phone rings early on in the movie and, and you, or, or, oh, you know what? I think they use the phone as like a transition between one scene to the next at, at another point, but the phone ringing is like a cool motif throughout. And, um, the, there's like a, there's a little jump scare that was, it worked for me. It got me <laughs> where, uh, the, oh, man, I can't remember these kids names. It's the paper um, boy, isn't it? Um, Cause, cause it's like the phone rings. It's the first kid you actually see. 
but like the sure. phone rings it, and like, he starts talking him. Yeah, and yeah. then he, yeah and then all of a sudden it appears in a corner oh, man and, that one got, got me i think yeah, that yeah, was the paperboy there's the one in the corner too where you hear the drip 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 and you don't know what it is and then you hands to the person in the corner who's you know floating the the one that really got me was as gwen was riding the bike to the house and then all the ghosts were standing in the street and oh (laughs) yes yeah yeah i that if if i had to pee i would have peed myself um that one uh, scared the bejesus out of me yeah, yeah. E- ethan hawk too has a couple good ones that really early on this one is so creepy to me when um uh finney wakes up in the middle of the night and it takes him like a minute before he realizes ethan hawk is in the room with him yeah and he's just kind of squatting on the side of the wall that to me was so creepy um i don't know just the idea that someone's watching you while you sleep freaks me out but also it perfectly sets up for the rest of the movie that he could be there at any moment so like yeah. by having that one moment early on in the movie where Ethan Hawke's watching him sleep, man, it just like amps up the the fear and tension for the whole rest of the movie. I thought, and I so that's that's why I like Derrickson so much. I mean, both both Sinister and Black Phone are are prime for this kind of like jump scare any moment. Ethan Hawke could come bursting through the door, or he could have been like in a corner watching you break this stuff all along or whatever. But because we we we've established early on that anything can happen at any moment and then you choose to not utilize that yeah your brain is just wired no he doesn't overdo it and to the point that again like there's a couple jump scares but like you're expecting something every 30 seconds of this movie so um it's really 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 effective and i don't like jump scares i mean but but it's because they're a gimmick it's because you can go see I think The Conjuring was really bad at this. Um, That's part of the reason why I don't really like that movie. Because, yeah, that. Um, (laughs) But, like, you you have movies that the horror element is entirely based around a jump scare. And that's not frightening. Like, that's not horror. That's a jump scare. And But to make something that's so tension-filled like this and has an element of mystery and has an element of, like what on earth could you do to escape this? Um, I think is, is what, what sets him apart above the rest. And um, I, I just appreciate any time that horror movies don't just, it's, it's why I like the night house so much too. a movie that could have been primed for jump scares the hall. And they do like two throughout the whole movie. Um, You know, it's, I think even last night in Soho maybe had two jump scares. Um, So, there's also that, like, it, it, these movies that I love the most are these ones that don't rely on a moment, they rely on everything going on. It's kind of like, I, I, I've been hearing this argument about Breaking Bad a couple of times, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, because at one point in time, it was kind of a toss-up on which one do you is the, mo- is the best TV show of all time. And some people would say Breaking Bad, and some people would say Game of Thrones. This was, of course, before the dreaded season, season finale, series finale of Game of Thrones, but... Um, but but the answer would typically come to Breaking Bad because they're like I think of the whole narrative and what goes on versus Breaking Bad versus Game of Thrones. I remember the Red Wedding. I remember Ned Stark's mm. death. I remember. Listen, I feel the same thing is true for horror. Like I, I don't I don't care about the jump scares. I don't care about like the small moments. It's everything around those moments that make it so great. And so, um, yeah, I just. I love the way this movie is shot. I mean, it's to me, it's not as much of a masterclass in art and in in, in, in a video and audio as Sinister is, 
but there's a lot of technical work that's just brilliant here. Um, I think it's a masterpiece, um, again, from a technical standpoint. And I think, uh, yeah, Davies, Hawk, um, the, the kids are great. Uh, yeah, I just, I just really like this movie. It's now I say I loved it and I say I only really have one complaint like this probably will be like I give it a four and a half out of letter box. But I give everything everywhere all at once a five out of five and I like this movie nowhere near as much as I like everything everywhere all at once. Like this isn't to me like going to be like favorite movie of all time. This this will probably land in my top 10 of the year depending on how good the year is. Um, but like this isn't going to be in my favorites of all time even though like we're talking um it's really 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 good um i still like sinister more and sinister is like the last movie on my favorites of all time i'll it'll probably go up though because the more i think about that movie the more i just love it but um but this is really really like on the same level so yeah i i give it a four out of five the the thing holding me back the, the way i rate things too it's like i can't let myself give give something like a perfect five out of five just for the experience if i if something about it, I just noticed that bothers me a little bit. Um, so for me, I, I didn't love every single one of the supporting like child performances, to be honest with you. Um, like some of them felt like a little, like a little hammy almost. Um, and I like, mean, like I think. Yes, but they're playing dead kids that can't remember their name. Like they're kind of playing their part. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm, I'm even meaning at the beginning um, to like before. Oh, the yeah. stuff. Um, yeah the also, kid the kid that's like the friend um that like got in the fight in the beginning he's yeah he's, he's also, stable yeah also I, I it's maybe not even necessarily that they're bad it's just that some not everyone feels like they're in the same movie like especially that brother character to me feels like he's in a little bit of a different movie than than oh Hawk yeah is. like 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 some, yeah it's just a little bit off and um yeah it's almost yeah. like he he's in an you know, more of like a Shaun of the Dead kind, um, mm. more of like a parody, more of like a, you play the cokehead brother that just figured out what's going on. Oh, so I should be funny. And then, yeah. And again, kind of the, like I mentioned the, the kid that gets in a fight at the beginning of the movie, he kind of feels like he's lost in a like nineties cliche. Sometimes like, <laughs> his yeah. dialogue is pretty stiff and, and all that. Anyway. Yeah. So, so that, um, and just like a couple other things hold me back from giving it a higher rating, but like enjoyment wise, I really loved it. Um, I think I said this at the beginning, this is just such a, a me kind of movie. Um, I love like, a, like a resourceful creative protagonists against um, psychopaths. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. like make that into a subgenre, like, like I just love those kind of thriller movies where, sure. where it's like good guy against crazy psycho bad guy it's just it's just they're so fun honestly uh, and like they're really they're involving you know like physically like you get you get tense you're 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 holding your breath and you don't even realize it and and you, you want to cheer at certain moments and you want to shriek at others it's i don't know it's just a a fun time even in spite of the the heavier moments that this movie also has i guess um the the last thing that i want to say that firmly brings me into love it is that the finney is finney is one character and kind of you mentioned the resourceful kid versus like he's not a resourceful kid yeah they play with it in this yeah like he has people that are telling him here's what to do and one of my favorite scenes in the movie especially from a visual visual standpoint i mean nothing's going to top that like 
the first time we see uh, Ethan Hawke in the basement where he's like looking up and he's like presenting himself. Like that's just gorgeous, but mm. um, terrifying, but gorgeous. Uh, but the, the, where he says, pack the phone with dirt. Now I'm going to teach you now for, and like, it's so synchronized. Oh, it, oh it's so good. I love it. <laughs> but like, like, but like we're seeing throughout this Finn character is kind of like Finny character is kind of, he's kind of an everyday kid. He's kind of like a nothing really special about him, but like mm-hmm. he inherits attributes from each one of these kids to where he's really kind of like letting their spirit live on in a way. Cause he's like a part of them is in him now. I mean, their mm-hmm. souls are kind of released at least I, I assume whenever the grabber is killed, uh, like they're not really tied to where they are anymore, but like wherever that is, um, I guess in the room, but, um, but yeah, for the most part, like it's, it's kind of one of those, like we see him again, become a little bit more complex of a character. And I think, I think it's supposed to show like that last line of dialogue where this, you know, he says, you know, um, where the girl says hi Finny and says call me Finn like I think it's just yeah like, it's, it's the smallest bit to say like he is no longer the per- obviously you go through something like this and you're no longer going to be the person but mm-hmm. you pick up a little bit of traits from people here and there and it's like I pulled this cable from the wall um, here like try to figure this out and, 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 and you're right like there's lots of people trying to help him but ultimately he does it in his own way at the end I mean which is kind of mm-hmm. a combination of everybody and yeah like he came yeah. up with the putting the cable wire through the rug, right? Like he came up with that. No one told him how to do that. Uh, like they, to- they told him about the cable, but he had to come up with. They told some way him to about it. the cable. Yeah, he had yeah. to stick it through the rug, and then somebody asked him later if they tried using the rugs to climb up. Um, but that was after that happened. Hmm. So, like, yeah, he had to do that, or he had to do. Um, yeah, it was kind of his idea to lure the lure the trap at the end, or at least some of the ways they're just like lure him into a trap, and then he like chooses to tie the cable up at certain points and kind of makes that plan all himself. And, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, anyway, it's just, it's, it's yeah, just yeah. a good, like he's kind of an everyday character. You, you, you just said like the, um, he's, he's kind of this, you love, you like resourceful people put in bad situations being resourceful, you know, MacGyver or something like that. It's like, yeah. this is like, uh, this is a really interesting visual, but I'm just thinking like, this is like MacGyver, but like at the end of Scooby Doo, where Scrappy inherits all the soul. <laughs> anyway, it's just yeah. This is like he feels like a complete. Finny feels like a person, complete person at the end. Uh, yeah, I also think there's probably a lot of Scott Derrickson in him too, because I noticed early on. Uh, I say I noticed, like I picked up on something smart. I didn't really. I watched the movie <laughs> like everybody else. <laughs> uh, he's watch. He's watching movies in the movie, like watching yeah. other horror movies and. Of course, that's got to be Scott Derrickson. I feel like I, I feel like I've noticed that a lot recently. Like directors having their characters that are supposed to sort of represent themselves, watching movies either at home or in the theater. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's um, no way it's not. I mean, it, it, even if it's just the, the the things he's choosing to have him watch, like you know, Derrickson's like, let's pick exactly. this because this is a great film and this will be a good mood setter. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter what movies are on. Um, yeah. I mean, except for their horror, because yeah, that's the kind of thing. Because like otherwise, I don't think it had a huge huge impact. Otherwise, or related to much else in the plot, as far as I can remember. Maybe there's probably some connection that I missed, but yeah. No, I mean, I was just wondering. Um, I was wondering if he sees himself as the Finn character, or maybe even more as the Gwen character. Um, mm. 
I, I did hear him say that some of the uh, the adjustments he made to the short story, um, he was sort of combining the short story and some aspects of his childhood. So sure. it's kind of, kind of a yikes when you when you think about the actual like family storyline of this movie, but there yeah. it is. Well, I just yeah, I just I, I'm I'm wondering. I mean, if this is really a movie about like his expression of of prayer, like is he? is he both is he is he maybe the person that's that's praying and and screaming out you know dig god what the heck uh, or is he <laughs> the person that's this is his way of expressing like here's how stuff is intervened i don't, I don't I, i'm really interested i can't wait to hear the commentary on this movie i can't wait um mm. so um yeah i'll pick it up when it comes out um and I don't watch movies like this frequently, but like I gotta watch this one again. Um, just like Sinister, I've, I've still seen Sinister maybe four times. Like I don't choose to watch movies like this, and by the time <laughs> I do, there's a bunch of new ones, and it's like you really should watch that one. And that's like, all right, like you know, last year's horror movies that everybody hasn't shut up about yet, or whatever. Like and it's like okay, well then I don't have time to rewatch the other one. So anyway, this I can't wait to re- hear the commentary on this one. So uh, I'm out of thoughts. Do you have any other things? Um, no, I, I like the score. I don't, I haven't listened to it really outside, but there were a couple times outside of the movie. I mean, but there were a couple times I noticed it, that it was either like fun and creepy or, um, like swelling in a big dramatic way. It's the guy who did the lighthouse, which that's a cool atmospheric moody score. It's mm-hmm. Mark Corvin. Um, so I figured I'd I was just shout that out. Say that again. I was just wondering. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, I want to say Gacino, but I know that's wrong. I'm just thinking because because he did Jurassic World. Oh, well, um, he does Matt Reeves, um, which is like the I, I think um, Let Me In was the only R-rated movie he had ever scored up to that point. I could be wrong. Fact check me on that. But so. like, no, like he doesn't no, normally do like intense right. dark horror movies, but because he and Matt Reeves work together. Um, yeah. So anyway, I um, I think the score was really noticeable especially the scene um the two scenes the ones that are all about patience which is the he's waiting at the top of the stairs and he's waiting for you to be an audio boy and then he's gonna like and and a lot of it is lack of score honestly uh because the other yeah. one is um when he gets to the door and he's trying the combination lock mm-hmm. um those Ethan two are like, so creepy in those scenes by the way like <laughs> the, the shirtless <laughs> just shirtless I Ethan Hawk holding he's a belt. sleeping sometimes yeah but like yeah, he's he's his presence is awesome in this movie. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have any other final notes. I just yeah, no, I really like this movie. Just go see it yeah, in the me theater. Too. No, it's blowing yeah, out the box a, office too. One. I think it. Um, I think yeah, I read somewhere like it is like, fun to catch in a theater because like if you have an audience who's really into it, then you get some good like cheering on the hero moments or or gasps. I guess you know like like typical horror movies and thrillers. Okay. Um, yeah, um, I, I thought I remember seeing something on Twitter recently about like it's doing really well at the box office, and they pushed this movie back because it was supposed to come out in January or February, and they're like, "Hey, um, this is really good," so they pushed it back to a summer release. So just gotta see. Um, I'm on a website right now. Yeah, it's made ten million on its first day, ten point two million on its first day, and its budget That's awesome. was sixteen. 16- t- yeah, its budget its budget was sixteen to eighteen. So, yeah, I can't see. I can't wait to see what he does next. Um, 
Uh, expecting a 23.2 million for the weekend. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see whatever Derrickson does next. I'm so interested and I, I'm torn because like, I really want, like, I really love what he does with Dr. Strange. Um, but like he's him, uh, him and, um, the guy that did Haunting a Hell House are like the two people that I'm like, all right, whatever you, whatever you make horror wise, I'm in. Did you watch Midnight Mass? Not yet. It's on my list. I'd really recommend it, especially like with the spiritual themes too. It's all over that. I mean, even in the title, high, high, high recommend. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, that'll do it. Um, if you want to hear more from Foster, uh, check him out on Letterboxd or Twitter. Um, it's FOSTH101 on Twitter. Is that it on Letterboxd too? Yes, sir. Cool. I never know Letterboxd handles. Um, <laughs> there you go. Check out more of his stuff. Um, that he's got that, and of course on sinfoss.com. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm reviewing this movie. I got. I oh, I didn't know. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. probably wouldn't ask you if I didn't know, but that's all right. Whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's all good. I just I didn't look it up. Um, I was just I've been thinking about this movie for the last 48 hours, and I'm like, I yeah. gotta talk about this with somebody who's gonna appreciate it. So yeah. yeah. To, to um, be fair, I was your second choice after after Roland. <laughs> I, I told you before you dodged a bullet. You do not want him on your show. <laughs> Hor- horrible person. <laughs> It's a lie. I've had him on the Batman show. So no good. Get him out of here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining me, Foster. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. I'll try to do this stuff more often for, for listeners. And uh, um, yeah, I hope this has worth your time. We'll see you next time.